lot of people coming to you are probably not fully problem aware. They might know they have a problem, but really uh, they just notice the symptoms. You want to provide value for where they're at, meaning guides, newsletter access, right? If you have like a vault of some sort, you're trying to give them more information so that they can truly learn this problem. What's super valuable about this stage is that if you can be the one educating them and teaching them all of this stuff, you're building a ton of trust. Do you pour endless hours and budget into highly targeted offers only to have visitors bounce off your site in seconds? Crafting customer-centric landing pages can transform some of those curious clicks into new leads. Join us today as we discuss the secrets to optimizing conversions on your most compelling offers through magnetic landing pages. Are you a startup founder or CMO trying to grow your brand? There's good news. You're not the first. Our growth team is committed to learning and earning the skills and strategies high growth companies have used to build their businesses. And now we're sharing them with you. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. I'm your host, Mallory Kuhn, and I am joined today by Chris Dubois, Senior Growth Consultant at Lean Labs. Hi there, Chris. How are you today? I am great. Excellent. I'm doing well. I'm excited to dive into our conversation today, um, which the title will have given it away for everyone. We are talking about com- creating high converting landing pages for your B2B campaigns. Um, so let's start basic, simple, uh, high level. What are the essential elements of any landing page? So if you're looking at a, creating a landing page, what are the building blocks that you need to be aware of? Sure. So probably good to preface all of this with like everyone has their idea for the perfect landing page. And so, and like, especially once you get up there and like you're a CMO and you've had results, uh, you're going to look back and be like, this is how we do it. But that doesn't always mean it's going to be the same for every, every different brand and every offer. I mean, we've had some of the exact same offer, completely different landing pages and both performed really well. And we've also done the same thing. We're both performed really poorly. And, and so, uh, Really, there's so many like variables that play in here that it take with a grain of salt. But generally speaking, first element, uh, clear headline, right? Just making sure when someone gets to the page, they can tell exactly what the page is about. What are they going to get by reading this? Have a good subheadline that that works with that. Uh, something I've been seeing a lot of companies play with is like putting a smaller headline, like an H6, above your H1. That specifies like who it's for. So it might say, you know, like startup founders and CMOs. And so it just catches their attention because they know it's for them. And then they're reading the headline, which may not directly tie to them, but it offers a benefit. And so it's a kind of a great way to hook people. Um, it's like using someone's name, right? Like the more, if, if I call out your name in public, you're gonna be like, what? And stuff like it happens with a, like parents a lot of times when someone calls them dad, they <laughs> ship. it's like, oh yeah, like I'm a dad now. So the, the identity fits. Uh, but anyways, that's the way to do it. So headline, your whatever visual you have at the top, as well as a great way to to capture someone's attention. The visual should make sense for the headline. So if you're depending on what offer you're providing, have it match up. If it's a uh, a guide, have an image of the guide. If it's a webinar that you're offering, have something that ties it back to that, right? So that you're it it makes sense for what you're doing. Uh, you need a form somewhere. You got to be able to capture 
the leads that are coming into this, right? It's not a landing page if you don't have some way to capture some information from that that individual who's shown up on the page. Um, whatever copy you have, and there's no like limit. You could have a ton of copy. You could have very little copy. There are some pages that'll just go on and on with like paragraphs of text. Uh, most simple landing pages are going to have like bulleted copy, nice, short, concise, hit the points, show the value, um, you know, benefits, features, uh, any tie downs, that type of stuff. Uh, you'll want a lot of social proof as much as you can. Anyone who's been successful with that offer before, get that in there. If you have, um, could be information just about your brand, right? Testimonials where people are just like building you up. That's awesome. The more specific you can get to that offer though, the better. And so show people doing really well with whatever, whatever you're trying to get them to sign up for. Um, and then a, a good call to action throughout the page that'll send them back to that form so that they fill it out. Uh, but kind of the key point for all of this, no matter what you're putting on this page, you need congruency across the entire page and then with whatever asset push them to your page. So if it's an ad, if it's, um, I don't know, a social media post, a blog post, right? I see a graphical CTA on a blog post. Like it doesn't matter where it's coming from. They need to click that. And when they show up on the page, know that they're in the right spot because you are going to get a very high bounce rate or exit rate if you if you're not having that concurrency. So long-winded yeah, answer. Well, Those well, are the that elements. Totally makes sense, uh, especially with that last piece, because I can't tell you, you know, how many times I've seen an offer in my email, you know, from some brand that I've purchased from before, and I click through because the email enticed me, but it takes me to a landing page that you know, either appears unrelated or actually is unrelated. Maybe they put a, you know, a misstep in their link, um, and I do, I bounce right away. Um, so that's great advice. Um, mm -hmm kind of speaking to that point of kind of the the flip side of the good things that we want uh, in our landing pages, what doesn't belong in the landing page? So, you know, what are some things maybe that people often think they should include and it's actually kind of a, a mistake to do that? So anything that distracts from the goal of the landing page, right? So a uh, when you're looking at a landing page in general, the, the entire goal is to get someone to convert on whatever that offer is. And so anything that like you can look at your entire page and ask, like, does this move someone forward on this page? Will this get someone to click? Because throwing like flashy graphics and copy that's just like very promotional, right? Like self-serving. Uh, like if you do like a control F on your, on your page and you type we or I, and it keeps popping up like a ton. Like you're talking about yourself too much. You're promoting too much, right? Focus on them. Um, navigation is something. So, and I don't have like a hard or fast rule. Like you might create a landing page where you actually want to keep some of your navigation. Maybe the footer, you keep the standard footer, or maybe you do have a, just a variant of your your header. Uh, but generally, you want to move remove those distractions, and so you're going to get rid of the same navigation you have, right? You don't want someone clicking on other pages of your site, you want them filling out that form and, and going further there. And so, but at the same time, if you, if you're being intentional and deliberate and you choose to have that because there's a reason, awesome. Keep that reason. Like that's fine. Um, there's not fan says you can't have it. Um, otherwise too many, don't, don't put a lot of like internal links or like, don't have people leave that page. Same reason you would not have the navigation. I've seen landing pages where people put links to like other content on their site. 
it's like you don't want people leaving that page. So if you decide, hey, we have to have this, uh, have that link open in a new window so that they're not actually leaving the page and you can still try getting them to convert on that offer. But like that landing page should be able to stand on its own. You shouldn't need to pull outside resources to like have someone actually leave to be able to decide if that offer is worth um, accessing. So yeah, just minimize the distraction. Yeah, I think that's one of the first things that I always think about when I'm, you know, working through helping with a landing page or something uh, is uh, remove the distractions, take away the navigation, take away any links, um, because it really there is one single point to your landing page and it is the offer that is presented on that page. Um, so I think that's that's great advice. So let's talk about conversion rates. Um, obviously, we want our landing page to have a very high conversion rate. <laughs> that is the point of our landing page uh, is is to get people to convert on that offer. Um, what are some common mistakes that you've seen uh, companies or marketers make when they're designing their landing pages that um, kind of hurt those conversion rates? Yeah, so some of the same things <clears throat> that we've already talked about. But like focusing too much on on the company offering. So even you can have the best looking offer in the world, right? It could be super appealing, but if you're not focusing on the benefits to the end user, then it's not going to be that great of an offer as far as conversion rates go. And so really focus on the problem and the needs of that end user as you're showing off what you're doing. Uh, so a lot of people will say like only focus on the benefits and like, right, don't, don't touch the features because those are just ways to to get the benefits at the same time if you're doing if you're working in a super technical space right if you're uh working with like custom computer building right those people understand the stats they don't care about the benefit of this processor being so much faster they already know that and so they just want to see okay what's the what's the speed of this and i don't even know all these terms but it's like they want to see those stats because they know how to do all the math in their heads they're good with that. And so you really have to know your audience as you're doing this where there isn't a blanket, right? There's nothing black and white about advice. You'll see some people say only stick with the benefits, but like sometimes the features are the important thing to get in front of someone. Um, the language wise, so kind of similar, right? You want to avoid jargon and like, and, and using terms that, that are going to be very technical and only serve that space. But at the same time, if there's a term everybody's using, and it fits and you can use it in your copy as like as like a punchy line, right? Where it like it actually captures their attention, right? You're being deliberate about how you use language. Now it's it's okay. Like do it, try it out, test it, see what happens. Um I think you uh, finally yeah, probably the last bit. Try to make sure whatever you're asking people to do, the like it matches what they're gonna get from it. So like if you have, if it's a newsletter, right? You really only need someone's email and now you can send them a newsletter. You have access to them. You can continue marketing down the road. If you have like a huge demo or you're offering some massive, like some free package, right? You can get a couple more fields in there. Generally like seven fields is kind of maxing it out to uh, for someone who actually wants to fill this out. But if you're like trying to get someone to sign up for a newsletter and you need their mother's maiden name and a credit card number and all these things, they're not filling it out, right? Like nobody's going to want to do that. And so try to just be intentional about, okay, what information do we need based on 
what this is. And so if it's a, an offer where you believe you can qualify someone as a lead, then you need to make sure you have all of the qualifying criteria within those form fields. And so, so you know, if that is their industry, company size, things like that, then yeah, make sure to get them in, but you got to make sure whatever you're offering them makes sense for what, what they're going to give to you. So, um, yeah, I would say those are some of the hangers. Yeah, I think a lot of those kind of boil down to, you know, being very customer centric and knowing your customer, understanding, uh, who they are, what they need and what they're going to be willing to give, uh, to receive what you're offering. Um, which kind of leads me into the next question that I have. Um, because you know, you're, you're going to have, or most businesses at least are going to have multiple offers, um, that meet different customers or different potential customers where they are in their journey, their buyer journey. So what advice do you have for aligning landing pages to different stages in the buyer journey and to different, you know, levels of intent from your visitors? So a lot of people, I mean, it really depends on your, your industry and, and what your primary offer is and stuff, but a lot of people coming to you are probably not fully problem aware. They might know they have a problem, but really uh, they just notice the symptoms and they're not actually fully aware of the problem and what that means for them and the full span of, of elements and variables that are impacted by this. And so you want to attract those individuals and give them something that provides value for them. So that were, that was a stupid sentence. You want to provide <laughs> value for everybody, but you want to provide value for where they're at, meaning guides, newsletter access, right? If you have like a vault of some sort, you're trying to give them more information so that they can truly learn this problem. What's super valuable about this stage is that if you can be the one educating them and teaching them all of this stuff, you're building a ton of trust, right? They're going to... and not only are you building trust where they they believe you're someone who can solve this, um, they're attaching any any wins that they have, they're attaching that to you because they know, hey, this person's already delivered value to me and taught me how to do this. I've gotten these results from just what they've taught me. So now there's like this connection that's made, right? They actually feel successful. You've like got some dopamine firing off in their head that is directly attached to you or correlated to whatever you give them. And so... Um, so that can be awesome. The converting visitors um, for like, there's a lot of people coming in looking at like side by side comparisons, right? They're trying to find uh, those, and you can be creating guides, you can be creating content around that type of stuff. But at some point, you want to help them in that decision making process, and and so you can be creating, you know, guides that are what to look for when purchasing this. Uh, we've done that with, with some of our clients, like 10 questions to ask before hiring X. And and those work really well because people are like, well, I am about to hire X. Let me at least see what these guys tell us about. And then we just provide them value. Like, ask us these questions when you're hiring us. Like, and we'll give you our answer, but you need to be asking these questions. And that that tends to work really well. Um, and then finally, like your, your big like final offer for like working with us, right? If you get a landing page where it's actually trying to close people, uh, which ideally you're doing this as your entire website, right? The primary CTA is book a call with sales. And I'm speaking directly to like B2B tech SaaS companies. Uh, you want them to book a call. That's the whole point of your website is to get people on the phone with sales. All marketing is trying to do is just make that sales process easier and get more leads in so that sales can have those conversations. And so, um, 
anything you can do on that we call it a connection value offer uh, page where you're we're trying to sell that call, right? That is the offer. And so that's where you want to do when people are looking for a solution and they're now they're not just weighing options, but they actually want to get on the phone with someone. You want to make it apparent that getting on that phone call is going to be awesome. That is what they need to do. So you should be, again, going back to like what I said, should be in a, a landing page, get testimonials from people who have had great calls with your sales team, who maybe they don't even need to have bought your offer, but if they had a great call with sales, uh, one of our companies, and I think I mentioned on the podcast before, they they had a 30 minute call with someone, they're offering uh, like payroll services. They, in that 30 minute call, they were able to point out a couple things the business owner was doing wrong. They saved him $17,000 just because his like workers comp was, wasn't being logged properly. And so for a small business owner, that's huge, right? That pays for a lot of stuff. And this guy got it by being on a 30 minute call before he even purchased with that, that customer. So that goes in as a testimonial and we, you know, you bold the key lines in that. So now like other people see it and they're like, well, I can save that much money if I jump on this call. Right. So you want to be looking for those opportunities. Um, and so, and that's what I'd be doing at that last kind of bottom of the funnel type stage, looking for opportunities like that. Great advice. Yeah. And that example, I know exactly which customer you're talking about. And that is, uh, you know, gosh, if just the sales call can save you 17 grand, you know, that's going to make a lot of people take that, <laughs> take that swing and go, okay, that's worth my time. Even if I don't, right. uh, you know, end up buying, that's worth me getting on their list and having them call me again, you know? Um, so we talked a little bit earlier about one of the important, you know, critical elements of every landing page is your headline, your tagline at the start. Um, obviously, that's one of the most important pieces of any page because that's where people are going to start reading. It's where the eye goes first. Um, you know, you mentioned a little bit about using a little maybe an H6 above to, you know, specifically call out the type of person you're talking to, uh, which is one great trick. Do you have any other tips, advice for writing compelling headlines um, and, and value propositions as well that just really drive people in? So cute doesn't always sell. And so you'll I'll see tons of headlines where it's like people are just finding trying to find funny phrasings and use alliteration to to get a point across, but it, do, it doesn't always land. Um, what I would do, start with the five five W's, right? Who, what, where, when, why, and then add the how, and just list that out. And now how do you get that into, you know, your entire, like above the fold section for this landing page? Because it could be using an H6 to call out the who, right? And so now we don't have to worry about that in our extra headline. We can just talk what, when, where, like we can hit those key pieces. And then maybe in the, the sub headline, we get, we cover the rest. Uh, but then you're making sure you're giving all of the information someone would need in order to fully understand what's going on here, right? You might not necessarily convert. If, if you can get someone to like read the headline and be like, yes, I'm in, like, awesome. You did great work. Um, there's tons of formats and formulas that you can try for, for making that happen. But I think as long as you're covering the five W's, then add some how, really the entire page is like, how are we going to get you this result, right? You're, you're increasing that perceived likelihood of achievement throughout the page so that people know you are able to do this with your method, whatever result you've promised them. But I would hit those. Um, so once you've, once you know who you're doing this for, right, they have jobs to be done. There's all jobs to be done framework. Anybody can go look up, but you have the, the 
physical job? Like, what are they actually looking to do? You have their emotional job to be done, like how they're thinking about this, feeling like this, and the social job to be done, right? How can we increase their status through how we're executing on this? And so if you can be addressing those things within your headline copy as well, right? Now they're more likely to actually work with you because you're saying, hey, I'm going to be able to help you on these three levels. And you don't, you're not even thinking about two of them, right? The emotional and social, most people aren't like openly stating, uh, but they're feeling it, right? No CMO wants to hire a marketing agency and that's going to fail and make them look like an idiot. They want right. to bring someone in who's going to make them look really good. Um, and so, yeah, so I do those. I keep things as short as you can just because people, I, I don't buy into the whole uh, people's attention spans are are short now and they're failing. I think there's just so much content and so much noise that people are getting distracted easier because <laughs> we suck at actually getting, keeping them focused, right? We're not giving them a reason to like, if you, I if I'm entertaining enough or providing enough value, you're going to focus on me. We're going to be well connected. But as soon as you're like, okay, this guy isn't doing it now, the that like bar for where you're willing to just give up and move on to something else is much lower because there's so much other content you can go check out. And so, so it's not that we can't focus as much. It's that there's other things we can be doing with our time. So if you're not actually looking like you can do the job, we're going to go elsewhere. And so try keeping it short, punchy, but like understand if you can keep someone's attention because you are hitting the nail on the head, right? You, there is no doubt you understand them and you can provide value. They're going to stay with you. There are massive sales web pages that are it's just sales text, like the entire way down, like one column, just all the way down the page and people stay on them, people convert. Right. And it's because those pages are so well written that they're speaking to a specific individual. Someone wants to stay with those. And so I don't buy that. But you should still be doing the things to make it easy for someone to consume so that you can kind of shorten that, make sure they're not actually just going to jump because they see a wall of text and they're like, <laughs> I don't want to read that. And then they disappeared before even reading the words. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I would be, I would, I think that's. I think it probably went off topic at some point. Sometimes that's the best, uh, you know, advice in a podcast episode when you go a little bit off topic because you're just riffing and it's great. Um, but I want to dive riffing, into ranting. <laughs> Same thing. Um, I want to dig a little bit into something that I think is very relevant for um, specifically a lot of B two B clients in our space, which is uh, like tech and SaaS solutions. But there's other industries that face this challenge as well. Um, a lot of people have a very complex industry, complex products, even complex offers, um, right? How do you make those kind of more complex uh, products, offers resonate on a landing page without just getting mired in a bunch of info dumping? So anyone can sell complexity if you can put it in its simplest form, like simplicity sells. And so figuring out even with the most complex offer, right? You could have even like your pricing could be based off performance, but only for certain portions of their business. And it has to be net new that, I don't know, someone did a backflip to earn. Like <laughs> it can be, it can be super crazy, but like if you just get to the core point and, and stuff within that, and you just highlight what they need to know, be successful, then the details they still matter, but they're not going to be what everybody's focusing on and trying to figure out and like 
work through. Keep it super simple. This is X leads to Y, which leads to Z. Everybody's good to go. Um, focus on the benefits for the individual, right? So they understand what they're doing. Uh, probably, probably one of the best, use analogies and metaphors. Everyone can understand some way of doing things. Um, Russell Brunson, one of the examples he uses a lot is talking about like keto. And when people tried explaining keto to him, he was like, I don't get it. And then someone came up and said, it's kind of like doing stuff with like fire, right? Where you have tinder, your kindling, and then the actual like fuel that goes on the fire and stuff. He's like, ah, was, you know, carbs are like tinder. They're going to go up super fast and stuff. You want to be able to use fat, which is more like the logs. Once they get going, like you're good. You got heat for a long time. And so just by shifting that, it's like, oh, that makes sense, right? Un- completely unrelated to to actually, you know, keto, but we're able to use that to make it a simpler uh, understanding. You don't need to get into how, you know, gluconeogenesis converts proteins into fats because your body has like has hit, you know, ketosis and blah, blah, blah. You don't have to worry about that because you just know that, okay, well, burning fat is a better fuel source in this regard. I'm not giving dietary advice to anybody. Uh, <laughs> but so, yeah, looking at that, really just focus on, like I just mentioned, focusing on the benefits, but like end results, right? What is the end result that that benefit is going to lead to? Because that's what people really care about. And so they don't need to always, especially on a landing page, they don't need to know every step of how to get there. They just really want to know that they can get there. When they get the offer, now you can actually walk them through everything that they're going to get. But what's really important is that they know they can they can achieve whatever you're promising. Um, yeah, give give people a trial. That's that's something else. Uh, let people try it. If there's a way for someone to try out whatever you're offering for this landing page, make that the offer. Like if it's really complex, right? Change your landing page so that the offer is, hey, get a free trial. Um, doing that can help substantially when you have something super complex because then they can actually see it for themselves. They can get their hands dirty. And that usually leads to them knowing whether this is for them. Just make sure you have a great like onboarding process because adoption will fail if if someone's like if it is really complex and someone's left to their own devices, they're probably not gonna like they're gonna lose uh, the ability to focus on whatever they're trying to do because they're gonna get confused, they're gonna get frustrated, and then they're gonna completely fall off. So, um, yeah. Oof. Excellent. Well, another critical part of any landing page, right, is uh, our calls to action CTAs. Um, I want to talk a little bit about CTAs and messaging and placement. Um, so, you know, what kind of messaging and, and verbiage works well in your experience on a CTA? And you know, how prominently should you be featuring those CTAs? Is there a risk of uh, you know, coming on too strong and, you know, being too pushy on the page before, or should it always be right at the top? Like, just give me all your info on CTAs. Yeah, that's a loaded one. Um, with CTAs, you want to be as clear as you can, right? So that people know what they're, what they're getting. With buttons specifically, you want to minimize the perceived effort. So like learn is actually not a great word to use in there, right? Like learn more. Um, I don't want to go somewhere just to learn. I want you to like give it to me. Uh, and even if you are someone who loves learning, right? It just, it feels like work to have to go do something. And so you want to minimize uh, those types of, of uh, verbs, I guess. Um, adding urgency, like now, new, uh, different words like that. 
that are going to get someone interested in, in jumping in right now with immediacy. Uh, that can go a long way. Um, obviously, your call to action should be super high contrasting. So like we'll, we'll often, our designers will do the palette for the page and our CTA buttons will be a very distinct color that's really only used for CTA buttons. Um, we had one one client where like it was super profound where it's all like blues and greens on the site, but they wanted hot pink as that call out button like <laughs> color. And and it looks awesome because like your eye is immediately attracted to those buttons when they pop up. And uh and so like we think it worked. I mean, it's really hard to test color combinations right away for like entire pages and stuff. You need to get enough data to swap that out, but people are clicking the buttons and so and they definitely catch your attention. Um so that's something else I would look at. Um, CTA, any, anything above the fold is going to be the, one of the first things they see, right? Cause it's first thing that pops up when they open the page. And so making sure your CTAs are located in that area. So on that landing page, you're able to do it. So, uh, most landing pages, right? I would actually recommend putting the form near the top so that if someone is already interested in purchasing or downloading, whatever you have to offer, they have, they can immediately get access to that. Some people put the form down at the bottom just so it's like a nice clean work through the entire page you get there. Uh, but then the buttons will always anchor link to wherever that form is on the page. And so wherever someone is on the page, you click the button, scrolls you down to the form um, or back up to the form, you know, if that's what you did. But so you want to make sure those CTAs are so clear and located in the right spots where someone would want to take action. Like maybe I gave them enough information here that now they see and they want to move up. But you also don't want to like pepper those CTAs everywhere because at some point they do blend in, even if they're hot pink. So, um, yeah, I guess those are like some quick tips for uh, CTAs. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned forms a little bit, um, and we talked about forms a little bit earlier, specifically with making sure that you're collecting information that is relevant to the offer that you're that you're providing. The example you gave was. Uh, you know, the newsletter, where if you're sending a newsletter, all you really need is their email and their name, right? Um, I want to know if you have any other advice on optimizing forms to reduce drop-off and encourage people to convert on those forms. So you want to, again, reduce, right, the number of fields within any form. Um, so that's only going to help. Even if you ask for less information, than what they, the perceived value that they're getting is, and they're more likely, right? If you're going to give someone like this huge access to a vault with a, with guides and videos and everything, and all you want is an email, like someone's going to be way more likely to to sign up. So they feel like they're just giving you their email. They're not going to get a hit by a phone call of sales and, and all these other things, right? And so you can do that. If you really have a lot of questions you need to ask, there is a, it is better to do like a step two form Right. So you hit submit or like it, but the button isn't submit. It's like continue. And that moves to another uh, form. Ideally in the same page, you just have the form switch out. So you're not like completely shifting them. And then there's more fields. And so like the brain kind of resets when they, they see those additional fields and it's not a like, Oh, they're giving me 14 questions. It's like, no, they gave me like these six to fill out here. Um, Obviously, that's a lot of questions, and I would make sure whatever you're asking them is super important to make sure you're you're getting across. Uh, but that's that is one way to uh, to go about that. Having placeholder text 
And to kind of show them examples of what you're looking for could entice them to fill that out faster. Um, there's a couple things you can do. Something I like doing with HubSpot is, well, two pieces. So progressive fields, which means if I already know some of the information on that form for that specific individual, because we, you know, we have cookies enabled, we know who they're, they're coming back, they filled out some other offer. Um, if that's already filled in, rather than giving them the same question, it's going to remove that from the form and put in a different form field for us. So something else that we would like to know. And because we already know something, we get that. That's a, that can be super helpful. We can also create uh, form logic and like within HubSpot where if I have a dropdown, and a lot of times you'll see this, like if I have four options you can select and the bottom one is other, when you check other, it opens up another field that says, please explain, right? And But they'll only see that field when they check other. So now similar to, you know, having like a two-step form, you're building, you're almost building momentum. Like there's a sunk cost that people don't realize as they're filling, they're like, well, I already filled out the first part of this, so I might as well fill out the next part, right? But it's, it's like sunk cost on such a small level that it's super easy for someone to just do it and they're not actually thinking about it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, with forms, I would, it's kind of what I do. I'll put a headline on your forms, like super easy, but like give each form an actual headline for just that form. And it could be right next to your H1 on the page, but like it, it generally helps to have something that tells them what they're going to get by filling that out. Uh, and so, and the H1 isn't always uh, super prescriptive towards that. So, Perfect. So we have our landing page up, let's say. We're fast forwarding into the future. <laughs> we've used all your tips. We've created a landing page. We've got our forms, our CTAs. It's great. Um, how do we make sure it's great? So I want to talk a little bit about optimization iteration. What should marketers be using uh, or how, how should they be testing their landing pages and uh, using that data to improve their results? Sure. So the first thing you should do is decide if you are optimizing, iterating, or pivoting. And that'll really come, you can set these percentages for yourself, but let's say optimizing, you're looking at a zero to 20% lift, 20 to, to 40, 50 with iterate, and then anything 50% or worse, uh, you're looking at pivoting. And so if you're pivoting the page, right, you're, the tests that you're running are going to be way different you are going to be completely changing the offer because like that first offer got no traction. We need too big of a jump. And so you're doing that. If you're iterating, now you're changing like the entire above the fold section, right? It's like you're changing massive parts of the page, but you know there's something that works there. Now, if you're optimizing, it means you're hitting the numbers you want. You just need little tweaks in order to do it. You don't want to change too much of that page because if you do, you might actually get worse performance. So you don't want to change your form and the headline and the buttons, you know, at the top of your page. You want to pick one of those and see if that works. If it doesn't, then okay, we well, just go back to revert back to the old uh, or whatever our control test was, and then you're going to try something else, and you're going to keep working that way. So you really need to know that first, because if you you could completely screw up your landing page by trying to change too much or just the wrong things. Uh, some of the stuff I would, I would look at your headline, obviously super important. Right, and set up heat maps, set up um, things for, um, so heat maps, scroll maps, like anything like that. So you can actually track where people are like on the page, what they're clicking on, where they're falling off. 
Um, scroll maps can be super valuable because if people aren't even making it to the bottom part of the page, but you feel like there's a super strong bit of copy, maybe just move that up to the higher up on the page. And now it's, you know, it's working there. Um, but so I get all the different things to test. Then your headlines, check those, your sub headlines and ask as you're going through it, like what, why is this not working? How could I make it better? Don't just do like some subjective, like, oh, I'm going to try changing this word. It's like, why are you changing that word? Be super deliberate in what you're actually doing. Um, your hero image. Yes, it depends what the image is. So like if you're showing product images, yes, like show them awesome product images. If you're just having like some animations or things like that, maybe just getting rid of them because it's a distraction. Uh, but like whether the color of your little cartoon character is, you know, he has a blue or green shirt probably doesn't matter for the actual page. And so why test it? Um, your copywriting, you can test all of that. The hard part when you get to like testing copywriting is knowing what bit of copy converted someone. And so, cause the more you change, right, the harder it is to pinpoint what change led to that result. And so whenever you do change something, you need to find a way, like have a, uh, a target set your hypothesis that says by changing this, we will achieve this. And, and then find a way to actually make sure you can measure that and, you know, get that, uh, that number, um, your number of form fields, uh, you know, what you're asking for with those form fields, your CTAs, their language, um, colors, try all those and that your page layout, um, uh, entirely. So like we we're saying, right, if you got a great section towards the bottom or some testimonial, that's just like kills it maybe that could go right under your, like the above the fold section. So someone starts scrolling and the very first thing they see is that testimonial rather than waiting till the middle of the page or the end of the page where you're doing another ask to send them back up to the form. Um, yeah, you can test anything. You just got to make sure you have a reason for testing it. Absolutely. I think that's a great point about the optimizing versus iterating versus pivoting. Um, because, you know, if you don't really want to change uh, you know, that much if it's performing okay, but just could be doing better. Yeah, you could shoot yourself in the foot if you end up changing too much, um, which I think is a really great word of caution for everyone. Um, so I would love to dive, dive into an example if you have one. Um, do you have an example of a landing page you've created or optimized recently? Um, I know we're in an audio only format, which makes it a little more challenging. Um, but if you do, if you could kind of describe what it is that you built and if there's anything surprising about it that is impacting conversions in a way that you might not have expected. Sure. Let, yeah, let's actually use the one I brought up earlier. Um, <clears throat> payroll service provider. They have an application and everything. And we had a standard book a call page, right? And it was just underperforming. And so we said, okay, how do we need to make this call super appealing, right? We need to make it sexy. And so... We started adding like what are those power bullets that like someone a small business owner would want to gain from talking to sales because it isn't just like hey i want to talk to sales it's like no you want to get something down the road you want to know this is for you and so we created the, the copy around their jobs to be done hitting the emotional and social jobs as well a uh, little lower on the page we did something else to kind of you want to provide some sort of guarantee whenever you can. And it's really hard when someone's just jumping on the phone with sales. It's like, how do you guarantee 
that call. They're not actually giving you any money or anything, but what they are giving you is their time. And so what we did for that was we said, hey, there's two real outcomes you could get from this. One, you could find out all these things that you're not doing or that you should be doing. And you know we can list them out for you. We can even show you how to get there. Even if you're not going to work with us, we can tell you what you need to be doing. Like, or you're doing everything right. And you're going to be able to sleep well at night knowing that you did all that, right? You're good. You don't have to worry about this. Go focus on other parts of your business. And so we use that as like the guarantee um, for this. And then we added social proof, anything, any, all the social proof we could about uh, working with this company and all these pieces. But then also once we got that testimonial with the guy who saved $17,000 by jumping on the call, like we put that above the fold. Like that is in the, the header of the page because it's so powerful. And the performance of that page just like skyrocketed com- compared to what it was. And so, um, yeah, that's that's my example. And it's a great example. And I'm not surprised, you know, that performance skyrocketed with focusing on, on value like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, perfect. Well, as we're closing out here, um, I would like to wrap up seeing if you just have like one final parting tip that you would give uh, our audience for instantly elevating their landing pages. So it's not unconventional, uh, (laughs) but marketing assets need to do one of two things. You need to build trust or inspire action. A landing page needs to do both. You need to be able to write, no, if, no one's going to give you their information and download whatever that is if they don't trust you. And the whole point of getting someone on a landing page is to inspire them to give you more information. And so like I can be building trust with social media posts, blog posts, things that you don't have to give me anything. Um, when I get to a landing page and stuff, like I need you to trust me. I need you to, to show you all the ways that you should trust me and that you can trust me. And then I need to get you to take that next step. Otherwise there's no point in us really. So think about those two things. How am I building trust? How am I inspiring action? And it's easy to know the action you're trying to get them to take. That's filling out that form, right? Or getting them to do whatever it is on the page. Uh, But now how are you inspiring that action? What are you telling them in order to make sure they can do it? So you got to make sure you have a great story and the story has to be true. And so, yeah. Right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris, for that uh, parting piece of advice and, and all the advice that you've given in this episode about uh, creating landing pages in B2B. So hopefully our listeners can use these insights and start uh, inspiring action and creating trust uh, with their own brands. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much out there, everyone out there for listening. Don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss one of our episodes. And if you have a few seconds, um, just take a minute to rate and review the show on your podcast application of choice. And until next time, this has been Growth Team Radio. Want to grow your business? Trying to find the right path to do it? Well, we've got the answers. Go to stopscaling.com. Yes, you heard right. Go to stopscaling.com where we'll show you the exact way grow your business this year.